welcome once again to the Global Gale podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor, coming to you from my little studio in downtown Stockholm, where I've lived for the last 23, 24 years. Now, I haven't lived in the studio for 24 years. Obviously, I haven't done that. But I've been living in Stockholm, Sweden for a very long time. And you are listening to the podcast for the give or take 70 million Irish people or people of Irish extraction around the globe. I started this podcast under the premise that there is no such thing as an ordinary, in inverted commas, Irish person abroad. And week after week, you will find that coming through on this very podcast. I hope you're well. Uh, It's been a week or two since the last last podcast. It's just been incredibly busy. And there's a lot going on in the background in terms of, you know, plans to, to reach a wider audience and to get out there. But I'm delighted to have you all listening to this particular episode, especially if it's the first time, because... What tends to happen is when a subject or a person comes up uh, on the podcast, a lot of times people will listen, but they'll only ever listen to that one episode because that's the only one that's uh, of interest to them. So if you enjoyed this episode about Father Dennis Slattery, great, go back, have a look through, see if you recognise some of the other names. Some of them will be well known, many of them won't. And that's the whole point of it, right? It's uh, not to be sort of dragging up celebrities and all sorts of people. Oh, you know, we could get Bono this week and we could get Robbie Keane the week after. But that's not really the thing. We might have them on, not ruling it out lads but uh, it's more important or I think it's more um, it's more entertaining to hear the stories that don't get told on the Late Late Show or on the various different uh, TV shows around the world uh, this week as I say we are going to be talking about a priest from Cork called Father Dennis Slattery who had an absolutely amazing impact uh, on education in Nigeria of all places and it's fascinating because when you see how the relationship um between Ireland and Africa has evolved over the years, right? It went from being, and you know, without being crass, you know, what we would have known of Africa would have been very, very limited, you know, when I grew up in Ireland in the 70s and the 80s. And you would have heard about people like Father Slattery going on what were called the missions. And they were sent abroad to Asia or to Africa or to South America. And they were all sort of Catholic priests or nuns for the most part, but they were often involved in the education sector. Now, I'm no huge fan of the Catholic Church, but it has to be said that, you know, there was some good was certainly done alongside some of the, the, worst things that people got up to and that's why I really want to bring in the story of Father Slattery today because of the man that he was and the effect that he had on people in Nigeria before we get into that right just want to remind you make sure you are following on social media you can follow me at Philip Ablana on Instagram at Philip O'Connor on Twitter or look up Philip O'Connor on LinkedIn and Facebook and there you'll find all the podcasts I do this podcast the podcast for the Irish in Sweden football podcasts all the other journalism that I do it'll all pop up on those places every now and again and it was actually LinkedIn that was the sort of the genesis if you like of this episode so here we go here's how the sausage was made this week boys and girls right I was on there recently when Ragnar Almqvist who is an Irish diplomat he is um, Ireland's ambassador to Hungary now and I saw him interacting on uh, LinkedIn with a fellow ambassador our ambassador to Nigeria uh, Peter Ryan and Peter had been at a celebration uh, of some sort remembering Father Dennis Slattery who died about 20 years ago but he was such a huge figure and such a huge person in Nigeria and a huge part of the Irish diaspora around the world that he still remembered to this day. So I thought, I have to look into this fella. I have to, I just, like, I'm not going to be able to interview him, but I'll have to look into who this father Slattery was and why he's so well remembered. And that led me on to uh, discovering a man named Adedeji Badiru. Okay, Adedeji Badiru. And it turns out that Deji has written five books about father Slattery, right? Now, I don't care who you are. If someone is writing five books about you, then it's fair to say they probably had a pretty profound effect on the person you were then and the person that you have subsequently become. So I got in touch with Deji, who now lives in the United States of America, and I said, look, can I talk to you about these books and about who this priest was and who this man was? Because Deji's not the only person who's written about him. If you Google his name now, you will find an awful lot of information out there about Dennis Slattery and the great things that he did. But in order to get a sense of him as a man and as a teacher and as an educator, you kind of have to talk to the people who sat in the desks in front of him. So I tracked down Deji and we sat uh, one night very recently there and we had a good long chat about Father Slattery and his effect uh, on the education system in Nigeria. And it really is a remarkable tale because it's not just the tale of Father Slattery, but it's the tale of an emerging nation. It's the tale of an education system and it's the tale... Of a, of a man like Deji who may not have had the opportunities that he had in life if it wasn't for Father Dennis Slattery. And that is what we're going to bring you this week on the Global Gale podcast. Enjoy.
Deji, we'll get to your books in one second, but could I just ask you maybe to begin with your very first memory of Father Dennis Slattery, the first time you met him. Can you remember that at all? Oh, yes, very much so. Uh, it was in 1968. 1968. Uh, I was in search of uh, a high school. What had happened was that uh, I had been competitive in many high school entrance exams. And for some reason, I was never picked by any of those schools. Schools had already started. It was uh, maybe two weeks after the term had started. A sister of mine then mentioned that St. Finbar's College had some spaces available, actually three spots available, that I could go there and just see what happened. So I went to the campus all by myself. Uh, a lot of other kids came with their parents, with their all kinds of uh, support people. But I was alone because my sister didn't even know what was required. Just go and see what happened. So I went there. So we were all in the playground. Father Slattery came on the podium and announced to everyone that yes, he had three spots and only three kids that were going to be selected on the basis of merit. Some uh, rich people came with their kids. Some politicians came with their kids. But Father Slattery said he wasn't going to talk to any parents. He was going to ask that the common entrance exam results, which was a big book, be read from the beginning to the end. The first three names that appeared from that list were going to, and, and were available on the playground, will be the three. Wow. It was a very unusual. <laughs> so so, so it, did, it didn't matter your political status or how much money you had. It did not matter. It did that, not matter. It did, whether you came, and I came by myself, I came on foot. Many of these people came with their cars and vehicles and all kinds of things. <laughs> and, and you just That's rocked up on foot. look at anybody. <laughs> Um, I mean, in later years, you, you've gone on, Deji, to write five books about this man. So obviously he had a very profound effect on you. Yes. What sort of a man was he? Yeah, he was a very engaging man. Uh, he was a man of a small stature, but unbelievably strong and very determined. And he was uh, he was not going to be distracted by anybody for whatever reason. Uh, you know, sometimes he acted like he was not even a priest. You know, a priest you carry yourself in a certain way, but that was not Father Slattery. <laughs> if he had a mission, <laughs> he would go for the mission. Uh, many times uh, he would chase boys across campus literally run after them to get them in line. He had a rule uh, in the campus. If you are ever caught sneaking out of campus, he will say, that's your way out, and you stay out. You never come back. <laughs> that was expulsion right there. Expulsion. He would throw you out. He if was, you walked off the campus, you were gone. You weren't coming back. You weren't, yeah, that weren't coming back. Nobody could come and beg him. No appeal, nothing. They, he, that, a lot of people respected him for that. Yeah. Yeah, he was a, an extreme disciplinarian. Well, was he a very hard man, Deji? Because he, he seems to be a, a both very well respected, but also very loved by people like yourself who went to St. Finbar's College. But, you know, the, under that sort of veneer of, of being a tough man, he seems to have been a very caring and a very generous man as well. A very generous man. He will always say uh, he cared so much about the future of Nigeria and education was a pathway 
to get him there. He was an activist, even for Nigeria's independence. Mm. Yeah, yeah that... he was an activist for that. Yeah, there's that story that goes around because, of course, he was born in 1916, which was the year of the rising in Dublin, which led eventually to Irish independence. And he was very yes. proud of that. And when he came to Nigeria, and again, you're the man who's written five books on him. Apparently, he was uh, he wrote a lot and he talked a lot about colonialism, about independence, about workers' rights and that. He couldn't have been the most popular man with the Nigerian government, could he? Yeah, he couldn't have been. But because of the way he carried himself on the basis of integrity, people loved him for his determination and integrity. Because if he tells you, yes, he wasn't going to change his mind. If he tells you, no, he wasn't going to change it. And people loved him for that. He did not care for any, he did not suck up to any politician. And of course, I think he prepared himself intellectually to be able to do that. Because he could argue a case from any point of view. Hmm. Like I said, you would not even believe that this is a priest. He could talk like a lawyer. He could talk like a sports person. <laughs> he even claimed that he was a boxer. <laughs> I was going and to he ask you that. Boy, he said, Come out, I'll fight. I'll fight you. <laughs> he, he intimidated boys, big boys, <laughs> by his actions. So we just laughed and we adored him. And so we did whatever he said. Well, what sort of a place was Finbar, St. Finbar's College? Because he worked in a number of schools in Nigeria, but I suppose he's most connected with starting Finbar's College, which or St. Finbar's College, which was a sort of a technical school. Am I right? Yes, yes. Um, the funny thing was that uh, he was at St. Gregory's mm. school and he decided to start his own school because he wasn't pleased with the administration of St. Gregory's. So he started his own school and he found a very remote part of Lagos, very remote, nothing, no development, absolutely nothing. So he had no competition for space at that time. So he could do whatever he wanted. So he had plenty of land and he was able to raise money by himself hmm. to start the school. And he said he wanted a school that could prepare boys for both the technical side of employment as well as the managerial side. Hmm. So he created two sections. One was the grammar section. I don't know why I call it grammar section, but that was more like people who are going to become doctors, uh, uh, management people, and so on. And then the technical section, which was more like engineering. Hmm. And in the technical section, he developed the technical laboratories to the extent that even university students were coming to St. Finbar's College uh, Engineering Lab. That's how uh, well ahead of the national standard St. Finbar's was at that time. And it was the only school that had the vision of a grammar school and a technical school within the same campus. Hmm. What so it was a very unique yeah. What sort of students would have gone there? Because when we grew up in Ireland and we would have heard about priests uh, like Father Dennis, we would have thought, you know, that uh, they're away working with very poor people in Africa. But, but of course, Nigeria was, some people in Nigeria were very wealthy and it was a very sort of you yeah. know, prosperous nation. What kind of children would he have been taking in there? Would there have been politician sons and rich men sons and people from, yeah. from the villages? Uh, we had a mix of kids because, like I said, he did not, he, he thrived on merit. If you are the kid of the poorest person, as long as you are qualified academically, he will embrace you. Hmm. So we had kids from very poor background. We had kids from very rich background, all mixed together. 
and he made sure that we were all on the same level playing ground as far as academics was concerned. Uh, so once I heard my name, I shouted, that's me, that's me. <laughs> and Brother Slazi said, shut up. We haven't done yet. <laughs> he wanted to wait until all three names were called. <laughs> so once I was selected, he said, well, classes were in session. I was not even dressed for school. Hmm. I was in street clothes. I did not have shoes on. I did not have uniform. And he said, go on to the classroom. You will be in the grammar section. So it was not my choice to go into the grammar section. I would have picked the technical section, hmm. knowing that I would want to be an engineer. But he did not give me that option. He looked at my record and said, no, you will be in the grammar section. Go to the classroom. So I went to the classroom without shoes, without uniform, that same day. That same day. It's just something. I just cannot forget how all of that transpired. It was like a movie to me <laughs> when I think back at it. So I went to the classroom. <laughs> After school, he came to me and said, make sure your parents get you shoes and uniform for tomorrow. <laughs> That's the very next day. <laughs> Of course, that was not possible. So I went to school the next day, still no uniform. So he said, okay, I'll give you one week. <laughs> one week. Just tell your parents, get your uniform. If you have to borrow it, you have to do whatever. <laughs> so that was how I started at St. Pimbas. So the fact that I came in so late and the fact that... Uh, you see, if I had not been admitted to Fimbas on that day, I would have missed the cycle of admissions for that year, mm. which meant I would have had to compete with the new uh, elementary school kids coming out the next year, mm. which would have put me at a disadvantage. If that had been the case, I probably would not have gone to high school at all yeah because it was extremely competitive to yeah. have an of course rich people found a way of uh, you know getting their kids in one school or another mm. so there was no other school that i could have gone to mm. where nobody would pay attention to whether i could pay school fees or not yeah he simply based it on the merit that my uh common entrance exam result was so good that I would be eligible for St. Fimbas. And he uh, he never asked your parents or your family for money to study there or anything like that? He just told you? Absolutely not. So uh, to even, uh, he was insistent on coming the next day on, with a uniform, which yeah. I didn't get for one week. But he still allowed me. I did not pay school fees for several months <laughs> because mm. we just couldn't afford it. Yeah. But he was so impressed with my determination. You see, at that time, parents were almost forcing kids to go to school because mm. they had the money, they had everything. But here I was all by myself and so determined that I wanted to go to school. Mm. And then that impressed him so much that he did not pay attention to the fact that I could not pay the school fees immediately. Eventually, we paid the school fees. Mm. So he gave me the leeway. And yeah. I can never, everything I do now for education, I always peg it on the fact that he gave me that opportunity. Mm. So, and I think hundreds of kids have benefited from that. Mm. Just because of uh, me translating Father Slattery's goodwill mm. to other people. Mm. Sometimes people ask me, why are you doing this? Uh, and I tell them, because of Father Slattery. And they'll say, who? <laughs> because <laughs> they, they don't understand the background. Yeah. It, it's uh, 
we just need more people like that. Well, it's difficult to have more people like that. He was a unique man. <laughs> very much one of a kind, all right. He was he also... Yeah, he, he was also a very important figure in, in soccer, in the sport of football in Nigeria yes. as well, wasn't yes. he? That, that was another reason he got a lot of respect. Uh, you know, he served as a coach, soccer coach. Uh, he served, served as a trainer. He served as a referee, <laughs> referee soccer matches. Yeah, he, he did all these things. And then he liaised with a lot of the politicians. See, being a priest gave him some access to some important people. Mm -hmm. And reaching those important people, he did not leverage it for his own benefit. He leveraged that access for the benefit of general education in Nigeria, and Mm -hmm. more particularly to create a big and high standard for St. Fimbas. The the most disastrous thing that Nigeria did was to take the school away from him. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, there was a time there when uh, basically all the schools like St. Finbar's, which Father Dennis yeah. started, they were all taken over by the state at one point. And yes, was Father Dennis right. involved after that, or was that sort of the end of his involvement, direct involvement with the school? Uh, that was the end of his involvement because by the time they gave the school back, he was no longer the same Father Slattery. He was still, like he would say, I met him several years. After he left the school, and he would say mentally he was still okay, that his body had mm. degenerated because of age. Yeah. He would joke about things like that, but he was still very much uh, cerebrally acute. And um, what was the effect of that decision to, to bring the schools into state ownership? Was that very damaging for Nigerian society, would you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, education has not recovered from mm. that. Very, very damaging. Uh, it was all for political reasons. Uh, and I think also, from my own perspective, could be an element of envy. Mm. Because here is a single person who did something that the whole institution of education in Nigeria could not do. Mm. He single-handedly started the school, got the school to a standard where everybody respected the school for academics, Mm. for sports, and for discipline. Those are the three elements of FIMBAS. Academics, you must be academically qualified. Uh, Sports, the school must be nationally recognized for sports, which it was. And the kids in the school must demonstrate extreme discipline. Mm. And he himself exercised that disciplinary action on the kids. Mm. That was very, very unique. So those are some of the elements of why the even those who hated him, they just laughed as as at his antics. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he was even a, a newspaper editor. He started a newspaper yeah. agitating for independence, uh, civil liberty, and all of those things that were not typical at that time. Mm. So he, he, he was a, a different kind of person. Yeah, he said. Yeah. I was fortunate that I was actually a student in his religious studies class because mm. he lectured also, even as the principal, he lectured. What, what was it like in the classroom with him? Did, did he shout a lot or did he discuss things with you? Did he encourage you to argue a case the way he might be able to argue things, did he? Uh, okay, one thing that we all remember uh, you know, Nigeria is a mixed religion country. Yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of Muslims, in fact, more Muslims than Christians at that time. The Father Slattery embraced everyone. Mm. He never tried to convert 
anybody from any religion to Christianity or to Catholicism. Mm. He never tried. He always say, make sure you commit yourself to whatever your religion is. That mm. was his message. So in that regard, in the classroom, he would teach us uh, Bible lessons from an intellectual perspective mm. rather than from a religious perspective, like telling the stories of what happened. And I remember he would come into the classroom without uh, carrying a textbook or nothing, and everything was in his head. And he would tell us these very fascinating stories so that when we now went to read the Bible, it made more sense to us. Yeah. And we pay more attention to what we are reading because Father Slattery has already told us the story. It makes it more it made it more interesting, more uh avenue to assimilate mm. the messages. Mm. Uh, so and in the classroom, uh he was hard, hard in the sense that he expected high standards. Mm. Uh he did not uh tolerate uh, nonsense in the classroom. Yeah. Even though he was still very fatherly with everyone. Yeah. They're very firm in that regard. Mm. Would you have felt that, you know, if you had an issue, you know, if you were thinking about, you know, doing something at university or taking a job with a particular company or if somebody in your family was sick, would you have felt that he was a man that you could talk to about those things as well and not just about your education? Oh, definitely. Uh, he was uh, more a man of the people. So mm. on the one hand, we saw him as a principal. Then at the other end, it's like a social light. Mm. We see all about in the community, helping poor people, donating food, caring for people, worrying about where the next meal of a family will come from. So it, it was just multidimensional mm. in that respect. Did, did the fact that he learned to speak Yoruba, did that really endear him to people in Nigeria? Because I believe that was one of the things that he did almost as soon as he arrived there in, in 1939. Yeah, yeah I, I, that endeared him to the local people more. Hmm. Because in the very local areas where not many people spoke English, uh, they really loved him because he's a white man who has come from far away who had made effort mm. to learn the indigenous language and made effort to communicate in that respect. Mm. But in the Lagos environment, uh, that was not an issue as much because Nigeria uh, been uh, having English as a second language, mm. uh, the official language, uh, people actually preferred to speak in English. Yeah, yeah in the Lagos environment. So yeah. he did not really leverage his uh, ability to speak Yoruba in Lagos as much in Lagos as uh, in the interior areas. Mm. So I don't, I don't think that plays such a big role yeah. uh, because uh, really they did communicate in the indigenous language on campus, primarily because we had different languages, even on campus. Mm. So for him to speak Yoruba might be at, to the detriment of other kids yeah, yeah. who were from other. So I think he was sensitive to that. Mm. <laughs> it's fascinating. So he spoke English, uh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating that he took the time to learn it all the same. Um, That's your, right. Your first book about Father Slattery, Blessings of a Father, Education yes. Contributions of Father Slattery at St. Finbar's College, that came out in 2013. And since then, you've written a total of five books about yes. uh, various different things, about academics and discipline and sports, about yes. soccer, uh, about yes. the story of, of the school. Um, what yes. what compelled you to write uh, so many books about, about Father Dennis? And are you still finding out things about him today now, 20 years after yes. he passed? Yeah, in fact, uh, 
some of my classmates say ask the same question. Yeah, haven't you told all these stories? And they know. As soon as I finish, I still remember something else about him that I said everybody needs to know mm. about this. So uh, yeah, he meant so much to me, perhaps more to me than most students, mm. because of the way he admitted me yeah. into the school. Uh, so if I had not gone to high school, all the things that I've accomplished career-wise mm. would not have been possible. It mm. was that single act that made all this possible. Like yeah. I said, if I had missed Fimbas that time, there was no way mm. I would have gotten into another high school because I would have, I had already missed the cycle and the next crop of kids coming out of elementary school will offer even more competition mm. and very limited space. And my family had already committed to the fact that I would not be able to go to secondary school. They were preparing for me to go and learn some trade. Mm. That was what the family resolve had been mm. until my sister said, well, wait a minute, I heard Fimbas was going to take some students. Why don't you go there and see? see? In, your, in your bare feet. <laughs> yeah, on my bare feet. Yeah. Daisy, where would you be now if you hadn't met Father Dennis Slattery? Uh, it's a very sad thing to even think about. I was, uh, I was much of a street kid before going to Fimbas, mm. and where I would have been, I would have, I would have ended up on the streets, and I can tell you I would not be alive today, considering the life of the street of Lagos mm. at that time for uneducated kids. Lagos was a dangerous place on the streets at that time. And I was right in the middle of it all. So this going to Fimbas rescued me from the streets. And fortunately, I did well there. And he loved me for my performance mm. because he, he took pride in the fact that he chose me on the basis of merit. And yeah. I did not disappoint him. Does that give you great confidence in terms of the life that you have lived and the achievements that you've had in academia and in your career since leaving St. Finbar's many years ago? The fact that he chose you on the basis of merit and not because of the money you had or the family that you yeah. came from, has that given yeah. you confidence through your, your professional life? Yes, it does. Uh, even until today, I am more uh, likely to go to the lower end of the social spectrum mm. to offer help. In other words, offer help to those who are in most need. Mm. Uh, it has also helped me socially. Uh, one person described me so well in uh, a program a few years ago that I said, if I was among beggars, everybody who thought I was a beggar like everyone else. <laughs> and if I was among kings, people would think that I was from the royalty. So I'm very adaptable yeah. to different situations because of that experience from Jesus. Yeah. So, and it has helped me to help the underserved populations that I've come across with. Hmm. Um, it's 20 years since Father Slattery passed, and as far as I know, there was an event recently in Lagos uh, to commemorate him. Um, how is he thought of in Nigeria today? Would people still know who he was and what he achieved with St. Finbar's and in education and in journalism and in sport in the country? Uh, which is why I take delight in writing the books. Yeah. Uh, those who did not even know him at that time 
continue to hear the stories again and again. The event in Lagos recently, which was on September 25th, was part of our commitment to continue to promote the name of Father Slattery. Father Slattery was St. Finbar's College, and St. Finbar's College was Father Slattery. They were indistinguishable. So even now, the school, no matter what that college the school has now, we still claim that that is Father Slattery mm. because he laid the foundation. Mm. So whatever the school is doing now is just following that foundation. Mm. Those three elements are still the elements that the school takes pride in. Academics, sports excellence, and discipline. Hmm. Has the school changed a lot in the years since you were there? Because you mentioned, obviously, it was taken over by the state and then yes. it sort of eventually found its way back to him. Um, yes. has it, does it still stand for the same values? Would you still recognize it as the school that Father Dennis Slattery started all those years ago? Yeah, we try so hard to maintain the uh, integrity of the school, but the school has changed a lot. Mm. One area that uh, Father Slattery will not have tolerated is that the school now is more of an elite school. Mm. Uh, because school fees have gone up dramatically, only the very rich people can afford mm. to send their kids there. And that's very painful for us. It is in that light that we have started a series of scholarship programs just to ensure that those kids whose parents might not be wealthy might still have an opportunity to go to Fimbas if they have the academics. Mm. So that's one area that has changed so much that we cannot really do anything about. That's the nature of the social evolution of the society. But that's one big thing that I have noticed. And of course, the parents take pride in the fact that they can send their kids to St. Finbar's College. See, it's a pride of the parents nowadays. Because only very few parents can send their kids there. Yeah, it's, it's but a, a, Slattery would not have tolerated that. No, he would have wanted it to be for everybody, just as it was when you turned up. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. You live in yeah. America now. Do you go back to Nigeria? Do, do you get to go back to Lagos on a, on a reasonably regular basis, or does it happen very uh, seldom? Yes, uh, except since COVID. I've not gone since COVID. Hmm. COVID kind of disrupted that cycle mm. uh, but i'm planning to go again in january or february and will you visit st finbars when you go back to lagos yeah uh, every time i visit st finbars and i'm constantly in touch yeah. with the administration of the school what, what do they need from you? Do they, do they need you to be the sort of the historian or the guardian of the story of Father Slattery? Uh, you mentioned the scholarships there that, that you, you helped provide for some of the, the pupils in the school. Is that yes. what they need you to be, somebody to keep that memory alive? Uh, yes. Uh, and we have many of us that have banded together as a unit to do that. Uh, we try to avoid a single person being the, the the star of the show, mm. because again, that would be against uh, the philosophy of Father Slattery. So we've been working as a group, uh, St. Finbar's Old Boys Association. Mm. Uh, we have a chapter in North America and Canada, a chapter in UK. In fact, I was in UK, uh, no, I told you I was in London yeah. recently. I met with the UK group of St. Trinvers Old Boys Association. Mm. And then we have, we had our North America reunion in August here in the US 
uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, the national president of the Nigerian uh, Old Boys Association came to the U.S. for that. Right. So we've tried to keep everybody together under that single umbrella of what Father Slattery has done for Nigeria. Because in the process of setting the standard for St. Finbar's College, he elevated the standards for other secondary schools. Hmm. Of course, we mentioned he arrived in, in Africa, I think, in 1939. Uh, he yes. spent uh, more than 50 years working in education yes. and in journalism yes. there. Can yes. we ever see the like of a father, Dennis Slattery, again? Do you ever think uh, that another man could do what no, he did? No, unfortunately, no, unfortunately. Uh, even if there was a person like that, the social distractions, the economic, political, and all these other things will make it almost impossible for that person to operate the way Father Slattery did. Of course, Father Slattery was fearless. That was another element of him, very fearless. Hmm. Nowadays, if you are too fearless, the political system will simply eliminate you. <laughs> okay? Yeah, so that's, it's very difficult to have another person like that. Uh, now, let me tell you one sad ending yep. for Father Slattery. Uh, when he finally could no longer continue, no, he, he got sick with prostate cancer later on. Mm -hmm. And we tried to keep him in that because he told us, the old boys, that he wanted to die and be buried in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. That was his request to us. And we made every effort to make sure that that was indeed the case. So what uh, the mission did, uh, you know, he went on vacation regularly to Ireland. So on one of his travels there, they would not allow him to come back. Yeah. So that was very sad for us. We wrote letters, we did pledges that, uh, we had medical infrastructure prepared that we were going to pay for to take care of him for the rest of his life. But the mission declined, and I can see why, because what they told us, what the mission told us was, when you go into priesthood, you have committed your life mm. to the mission. And to be unfair to the other missionaries, other priests, for one priest to now be treated differently yeah. by some group. And so I understand that, but to him, it was a very sad ending. He really wanted to die in Nigeria and be mm. buried in Nigeria. And we could not do that for him. Mm. So that was why we went to Ireland in uh, 2016, no, 2018, hmm. to celebrate his 100-year uh, anniversary. Yeah, his 100th so birthday. Yeah. Yes, to the celebration there. Uh, that was painful for us. But we do understand that the mission could not have released him to us. That's, that's what he signed off for. That's it. Th those were the rules at the time. Uh, exactly. Let, let us finish on a happy note, Deji, and thank you so much for taking the time to, to share the story of Father no Slattery problem. with us. Uh, but if I could just ask you, aside from the day when you arrived in your bare feet looking for a place at St. Finbar's College because your sister told you that there was three going, what's your happiest memory yeah. of being with Father Slattery? Okay, uh, that's very easy. Uh, I entered St. Remus in 1968 and graduated from there in 1972. I happened to be very artistic mm. uh, because Father Slattery had uh, a fine arts lab, a very good fine arts teacher. 
So I was uh, one of the best pupils in fine arts. Mm -hmm. So in 1972, in the middle of 1972, I became, uh, <laughs> I was just uh, barely 20, but I became a, uh, a cartoonist okay. for the Nigerian Daily Times newspaper daily Times newspaper that was on hard off that was pretty for big a high school kid to be a cartoonist why did the daily times even pay attention first because i was a product of st finbar's college so that attracted them first without even knowing whether i could do a good job or not so my very first uh, earning to earn money in life was through doing cartoonist uh, services for the Daily Times. That's they created a, uh, a page that they call Fun with BB. Fun with BB. That was my middle name and my last name. BB is my uh, nickname generally. BB. Fun with BB. Okay. So <laughs> In the process of uh, what I would do in those days, I'll come up with the cartoon, I'll draw it, put the inscription there, send it to them, and they will edit it and publish it. But there was one particular uh, cartoon that I sent in. The drawing was poorly executed because I was not a professional artist, mm. but the lines were very funny. So what they did, what the Daily Times did in the process of editing to make it comply with the standard of the newspaper was for the drawing to be totally redrawn mm. by their own professional artists. Unfortunately, when it was published, it was not even published under my name. Oh, no. <laughs> it was published under the name of their own art group. Yeah. When I came to find out, the only person I could turn to was Father Slattery, to tell him what that injustice has been done to me. He was very furious about that. Yeah. And you alluded to that earlier on, because this is somebody who cared so much about civil liberties, equity, mm -hmm. And uh, just to make sure that uh, credit goes where credit belongs. Yeah. He was very furious. He was going to take that up with the Daily Times. <laughs> he threatened to put them out of business. Because <laughs> they had done something like this to one of his pupils. He took off that fight. Uh, but eventually, my family and I had to kind of talk him out of that because in the process of doing that then i will lose the relationship <laughs> with the daily times that was the only reason he backed out of that <laughs> it's, it's and then by a... backing out also that demonstrates that he cared about me yeah once he found out that i might lose that income stream see so uh, that, that calmed so him down a little bit. <laughs> that so that was uh, one memory that uh, I, I can never forget. There you go. And there, there are so many others. Yes. Yeah, there are five books of those memories. You'll find them all available on Amazon, and I'll include a link to some of them in the notes for this podcast. Deji, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to Thanks. remind us of who Father Dennis Slattery was and the effect that he had on you and hundreds if not thousands of other uh, young men in Nigeria at St. Finbar's. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much. There you go. What a character altogether. And that's just Deji. What a character Father Dennis Slattery was as well. And I can think of a few listeners. Cork people tend to be very proud, as all of you who have your roots in Cork will know. And I think an awful lot of people are going to be listening to that and delighted that the story of Father Slattery has been told on this podcast and that we keep telling it as we go along. There's loads of podcasts coming up for you, lads. Uh, this podcast took you to Lagos in Nigeria. I think next week we're headed for Arizona uh, in the desert there in America. And then after that, we're headed to Leeds in Yorkshire 
because of a couple of interviews done now that are in the bags. So we'll be dripping out these interviews in the coming weeks. If you would like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. Patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. Five euros a month there, lads, will do me the power of good in terms of finding the time and keeping things going and being able to make these podcasts for you. And uh, they'll always be free, right? I'm not going to put anything behind the paywall or anything like that because I remember what it was like when I moved abroad first to Greece in 1991 and then to Sweden in 1999. Didn't have a whole lot of money and I wanted to, you know, I want everybody to be able to retain their connection with Ireland and the Irish diaspora and it shouldn't cost any money. But if those of you who can't afford to contribute do contribute, then we've no problem whatsoever, lads. Then we'd be laughing. So if you could uh, sign up for patreon.com, Arrowman in Stockholm, I would very much appreciate it. If you couldn't, do me a favour, right? If you heard this and you're involved in education or if you're part of the Nigerian Irish diaspora or the Nigerian Irish community or if you're Peter Ryan, the ambassador to Nigeria and you're listening to this because you inspired this particular episode, do me a favour and share it on LinkedIn. If you see the clips knocking around the place, I usually put out a snippet or two or that kind of thing, share it because the more we can grow the audience, the more likely it is we're uh, going to find more people who can afford to pay that fiver a month and that's the way that this thing scales up and I can find enough people to pay for it where it doesn't matter anymore that you know that people can't afford it you know so if you can please share the podcast i would be very very grateful and lads don't just do it once jesus you know you can feel free to share it every week if you like uh feel free to lash it out on facebook and linkedin and instagram stories and tiktok if that's your thing or snapchat jays don't get me started i don't know where i am with half of these things i'll put it out on most of those social media prob- uh, platforms uh, i almost call them problems there and if you can help me share it uh, on the rest of i would be more than delighted listen i let you go we're up over 50 minutes again and the people do give it do give out to me for saying oh the podcast a bit too long but sure i would rather bring you these in-depth conversations about extraordinary irish people abroad I'll be back again next week with a brilliant Irish musician that I've known basically my whole adult life and uh, this is a lad who went on to tremendous success and is now living in Arizona and has new music that came out about a week ago. Not going to say too much about that now because I want to present that off you in the next episode of The Global Gale next week. But until then, my friends, look after yourselves, look after one another and I'll be back again next week with another episode of The Global Gale podcast and another extraordinary Irish person abroad. Good luck. Thank you.